you know, I spend a lot of time backpacking, actually. That's, uh, that's one of my true loves also. Uh, you know, throughout Washington, I, I grew up, like I said, in central Washington in the Wenatchee area. And, uh, you know, you got the Cascades right there. And, and then I lived down in Wyoming and, and then lived in Idaho. And uh, now we're, we're really close. I mean, we're just miles away from the Idaho border. And uh, so we spent a lot of time up in, you know, northern Idaho and, and then over in Montana, there's the Cabinet Mountains and the Bitterroots. And it's just, it's a wonderful place. And so, yeah, that's, that's one of my true passions also is backpacking. You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Yeah, most fly rod holders out there are, you know, really, I mean, and they're, like you said, they're pretty big and pretty expensive, but, you know, most of them, I think, start at around $100. You know, they'll hold four fly rods, but uh, but they're pretty big and bulky, and, and they're not multifunctional. They'll just go on your hood. But, yeah, this is going to retail for $19.95. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Thanks so much for joining us this time around. We really appreciate it. And we really appreciate Gerald Barston joining us tonight. Now, Gerald is out of just outside of Spokane, Washington, and he's up to some pretty cool things. He's the founder of Selkirk Design. He's got some uh, outdoor products you need to know about. Uh, Avid outdoorsman, uh, big into fly fishing, has... uh, just outside of the uh, foothills of the Cascade Mountains. And uh, we're going to tell you what he's up to. Gerald, thanks so much for coming on the podcast tonight. Well, thank you very much, Mark. I'm glad to be here. So originally when you and I chatted, uh, it was kind of cool to me because I, I get excited about new products. And you told me, hey, mm-hmm. I got I got this, uh, this rod holder coming out that's kind of cool. Uh, and we're going to talk all about that, and we're going to talk all about your other products that you have with Selkirk Design. But before we do, I always like to get into your history, kind of your background. Uh, tell me about, first off, how did you come to discover fly fishing? And, uh, you know, walk us through that journey and how you, how you came to find it. Yeah, sure. So um, when, I, when I got out of college... Went to Central Washington University in in Washington, and shortly after that, I I uh, had a job with a company down in in Casper, Wyoming, and I was working down there, and uh, I was working in retail, and I was actually the buyer of all the sporting goods um, stuff for all seasons, and one of my favorite to buy for was actually um, the fishing season. And, uh, gosh, I just, you know, I, I had never fly fished before 
And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to buy myself a fly rod and I'm going to get myself a reel and I'm going to get myself all set up and I'm going to go out and teach myself how to fly fish. So actually my, my very first fly rod was a, a fiberglass. It was a Fenwick, uh, eight foot model 806. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and it's a great rod. It's, it's a two piece. And, and then I bought a Martin model 65 reel and, and I still have them both matter of fact, and they're just in beautiful condition. And I, I still use the, the rod every once in a while, but, uh, Recently, I've actually thought about re- restringing the uh, the Martin reel and, and giving it a try again. It's it's pretty simple, but boy, it's just it's just in perfect shape. So, uh, so yeah, I just you know I'd start going out and and hitting some streams and and some lakes in Wyoming, and I can't remember where they were, but uh, but anyway, yeah, I just uh, just self taught myself actually how to fly fish, and uh, hmm. I I. I don't consider myself a very good fly fisherman, but I've, uh, I've, because I've, I've actually never really taken any lessons, but, uh, but yeah, I've always, uh, I've always enjoyed it and try to get out as much as I can and, and still do it and still go with buddies uh, over here in Washington and Idaho. If Gerald, if you had to pick somebody that might've influenced you a little bit, and obviously now things are so different with YouTube and all the social media that's out there, yeah. it, it may not be somebody that you actually fish with but is there somebody that you either fish with or learn from online that kind of influenced your fly fishing a little bit yeah you know no not not really i mean i have a i have one of my buddies um he went to school over in montana and bozeman and uh he's he's fly fished for many years and and so you know i i probably would have to give him a lot of credit these last so many years for probably teaching me more about fly fishing and just, you know, watching my cast and different things like that and, and, uh, and helping me along. But, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say there's any influencers out there or any professionals that I have, but, uh, just, you know, going out and doing it and, and having my buddy, uh, you know, kind of help me along and, uh, yeah, just work on some, some technique and skills. So, yeah. Okay, Gerald, before we get into your business and the products you yeah. got going on, I, I want to take a couple minutes to get to know you a little bit and kind of what you're up to. Are you ready for a few uh, quick-fire questions that uh, may or may not have <laughs> anything to do with fishing? Sure, absolutely. Why not? All right, so when you are on the way to the water, what are you listening to? Uh, you know that's funny i'm probably not what most people listen to i'm actually a really like easy listening music type of person mm-hmm. um i don't know maybe it puts me in the mood because you know fly fishing is is a little bit like you know meditation anyways you get out there and you just kind of forget yourself and it's so tranquil and quiet and peaceful but you know i i actually listen to like dan vogelberg and you know, James Taylor or, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. James Taylor, Phil Collins, uh, you know, even the Eagles and, and that type of music, just really pretty easy listening type music. James Taylor. So, yeah. James Taylor always puts me in a happy place. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's got some great songs. One go-to fly pattern that you can't live without. So if you're in and around your home base, just say in the uh, Spokane area, what's a fly pattern that you reach to more often than uh-huh. not? You know what's really interesting? Often I, I, I like to start out. Um, you know, it, there's always gnats. It seems like there's gnats everywhere. And, and often I, I'll use a Griffith gnat. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a lot of times what I'll put on first to, to go out and, uh, and, uh, yeah, see what, see what I can do with that. Either that or, or some type of an atom probably would be my, my next choice. Yeah. Never, never a bad call. Favorite yeah. place to talk fly fishing. So is, is there a fly shop in the Spokane area, a coffee shop? Uh, a local, you know, brew pub, watering hole that you get your fix. So when you're not on the water and you want to talk fly fishing, yeah. where do you go? Yeah, you know, we, we do have a really nice fly shop right here in the Spokane Valley. It's called Silver Bow Fly Fishing, and it's uh, it's 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 young, owned by a young fellow, uh, 38-year-old, and he just does a great job, and it, it's really a, a great fly shop. Other than that, you know, we just, uh, me and my buddies will just hit some, some breweries here, craft breweries. There's just so many here in the Spokane area and even just right across the state line in, in Idaho, Post Falls area. We've got a, actually a couple of favorites that we go over to there and, uh, and, and have a few beers and, and plan our trips and talk fishing and, uh, yeah, plan out our menus and you know who's going to bring what and how much beer and so yeah yeah it's a lot of fun that sounds okay so uh yeah. if you're a if you're a sports guy i don't know if you are or not but if you are who are you rooting for i mean you got you got the spokane chiefs there pretty dialed in hockey club seahawks mariners uh where do you get yeah. your fix in sports when you're not fishing you know, during the basketball season, my wife and I actually have uh, season tickets to um, Gonzaga Bulldogs basketball sure. team. So, yep. so we uh, we we haven't missed a game in in quite a few years. Uh, you know, when you start talking pro sports, you know, it would be the Mariners and the Seahawks over in Seattle. I grew up in Washington, and so I'm pretty much a diehard. Uh, Seahawk and, and Mariner fan, but um, actually also like watching a lot of tennis mm. and the women's semifinals at the U.S. Open were on tonight, both matches and just incredible matches. So that was fun. Anyway, yeah. My, my wife and I have been to the U.S. Open and uh, well, I had a couple of girls that oh. were, were dancing in New York City for a while. And so we, we'd get out there and oh. that's our, oh. that was always on my bucket list, U.S. Open and uh Federer and 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 uh, man, we've seen some great matches. But yeah, no, that semifinal. I just actually before we you and I just hopped on this call. I just watched uh, Serena and uh, Azarenka. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a great match. It's weird with no fans, though, man. It's weird. That is <clears throat> really strange. Yeah, it's too bad. You know, so many of these sporting events is too bad. I'm not really that far from you. So, so when you say, when you talk about Seahawks and Mariners, that kind of strikes a chord with me. I, my dad actually got a master's degree from Gonzaga. So I totally, uh, wow. The, the teams you're talking about, I can, uh, um, so you're a bull, sure. you're a bulldog through and through. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're pretty hardcore, uh, bulldog fans, but you know, and usually we're, we're getting our tickets 
or, uh, you know, paying for them in, uh, by September one, but they don't know if there's going to be a season yet or not, uh, mm-hmm. or what's going on. They're waiting for, uh, NCAA to make some final decisions on exactly what's going to happen with the basketball season this year. So hopefully in the next, they said by the end of this month, they should know. So, but yeah, we love, we love watching our uh, Gonzaga Bulldogs and going to all the games. So yeah, that's a lot of fun. Good stuff. Gerald, if you could kind of distill your fly fishing, your, you know, your outdoor experience down to a single lesson, is there anything you've kind of learned uh, through fly fishing that would be a takeaway for you? <laughs> you know, that's, that's actually a pretty funny question. And I, I uh, yeah, don't, uh, if, if the wind's blowing too hard, don't cast directly into it. <laughs> um, I, I went backpacking. Uh, it wasn't that many years ago. I, uh, we were in North Idaho. We went backpacking to, it's called Big Fisher Lake. It's an alpine lake, but lake up in the Selkirk Mountains. And uh, gosh, uh, we were fly fishing on the lake. And I, I have this little, uh, little pool of, of line in front of me. And uh, the wind was blowing. There was a headwind. And I don't know what happened. I, I thought I'd be able to lift all the line up and, uh, you know, get it into a cast. And uh, this blast of wind hit me. And I really, I have no idea what happened. But the line ended up wrapping around me like two times. And I had this small little uh, 20 hook on. And it, it literally hooked me right in my lower lip. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, uh, anyway the other two guys are not too far away and i all around and i said hey guys i just hooked my lip and and the barbet actually went into my lip also and uh <laughs> anyway i they started working their way over to me and by then i thought well i'll just put a little pressure on on both sides it's a small barb it, it couldn't uh it couldn't hurt too much, so I just ended up kind of ripping it out of my lip, and it was kind of funny because there ended up being a little piece of uh, of lip meat up between the barb and the hook. You're killing me. Anyway, so I, I guess yeah. So I I guess the lesson is is uh, yeah, you know, really. I mean, be careful casting directly into the wind if it or uh, if there's gusts hitting you directly. I, uh, I yeah, feel bad. To avoid that. Yeah, lip meat. I've never heard that word, but <laughs> it's making me laugh because. I, yeah, I know. I, I, and I don't know how else to describe it. No, you you did a pretty good job there. I hate it yeah, when it's yeah. the fish's lip, but when it's your own, that's probably next level. Yeah. That's next level kind of bad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That That's probably uh, that's probably the biggest lesson I've, I've learned out there. Uh, because it was, it, you know, the, the consequences were the worst and, you know, it, it, you know, it, it reminds you always to, you know, wear a hat and make sure you got sunglasses on. So you're not hooking your ear, your back of your head or, you oh, know, yeah. an eye or something like that. But, uh, you know, usually you don't worry about your lips too much, but this time I, <laughs> I did. Sometimes so. I think the barb is one of the nastiest inventions ever because I, honest to God, I try oh. to pinch every barb because you don't think about it too much, but without that, you can still land the fish without the barb, but with that barb, it's just, you know, whether it's in your clothing or your fly vest or yeah. your 
line, your net. Or your fishing or, net. Or your yep. lip. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, there's a lesson Exactly. There. Good stuff. Exactly. When you're not fly fishing, you're usually doing what? You know, I spend a lot of time backpacking, actually. That's, uh, that's one of my true loves also. Uh, you know, throughout Washington, I, I grew up, like I said, in central Washington in the Wenatchee area. And, uh, you know, you got the Cascades right there. And, and then I lived down in Wyoming and, and then lived in Idaho. And uh, now we're, we're really close. I mean, we're just miles away from the Idaho border. And uh, so we spent a lot of time up in, you know, northern Idaho and, and then over in Montana, there's the Cabinet Mountains and the Bitterroots and, it's just, it's a wonderful place. And so, yeah, that's, that's one of my true passions also is backpacking. Best job you've ever had. Are you doing it now or is it something maybe you've done in the past? Yeah. You know, that's, that's an interesting question also. Um, probably what I'm doing right now is trying to start up my own company, uh, create and develop products that you know either need improving or or new impro- new products you know that aren't on the market and um and i just i just get the biggest kick out of it and uh i get up every day and and work at it and just have so much fun at it i i was in retail for many years and then i was in the dairy industry for many 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 years um another thing that i really enjoyed I actually, when I was living in Wyoming, I started raising llamas and I actually had llamas for 35 years, a pretty big herd of them and, um, and did breeding and sales and showing llamas and used to backpack with them and all of that. But, hmm. uh, and that was wonderful. That, that was amazing. Um, but you know, what I'm doing right now is, is truly probably right up there at the top of the list for, you know, a favorite job, just, you know, trying to create a business. And I'm having so much fun at it. So that's a pretty darn good segue. So let's segue into Selkirk Design. Tell me what you're up to, because I know you've got an exciting product coming out that I think is going to capture fly fishers' attentions uh, Tuesday, September 22nd of 2020. I just want to know. Tell me about Selkirk Design. Why you started it? How that? Like, walk us through that journey a little bit. Yeah, so it actually started about five years ago. And again, I'd been backpacking for many years and, you know, hanging food in the backcountry, you know, for years we would tie a rope around a rock and toss, try to toss it over a, over a branch and, you know, the rock would go flying and you'd tie it again and, and the rock would come out and, and it was just never easy. And, and, um, and then I just one day I was actually experimenting with trying to create a, a pulley that creates a, a two to one mechanical advantage so that, you know, when you're hoisting your, your food up or your packs or whatever, that it would be easier because, you know, the rope gets hung up on, on the branch and the bark. And if it's wet or anything, it'll, it'll cut into it. And uh, so I've uh, ended up developing using a, I guess a, a standard two to one, but it was a real complicated system. It was only one rope 
And so I ended up um, figuring out how to how to create this pulley system with uh, with two ropes and two carabiners. And uh, actually, right before that, I had I had come up with this idea of creating what I call as rock sock. And you just you drop a few rocks in it and you it's got rings or, you know, grommets on the top of it. And you just hook a carabiner into it and through a carabiner through the rings and then you attach it to a rope and you're able to toss that up over a branch. But um, so that was really how it started. And then I I threw in the uh, the pulley system and uh, created what's called ultralight food hanging system. It comes with a food bag, uh, the rock sock. Uh, the pulley system, two ropes, two carabiners, and then really nicely done illustrated uh, instructions. And so, yeah, that's that's actually how Selkirk design got started. And so I, two years ago, it'll be two years ago this October, I actually uh, did my first Kickstarter uh, for that product. And I had set a goal of $10,000 and uh, met the goal on the Kickstarter, which was great, which, which launched my product. And, uh, and then, oh, it was just a few months after that, I got it listed on Amazon and, and been selling on Amazon with that product. So, and then, uh, when was it? It was about a year ago. I backpacked with a lot of buddies that have dogs and, you know, it was like they never had anywhere to put their dog and they were always, you know, carrying an extra blanket or something. So I developed a uh, inflatable bed that's that's got a cover over it with uh, imitation wool on the top and this real nice textured material on the bottom. And then it has a attachable, detachable blanket that's waterproof and has a uh, like a micro fleece on the inside of it. And so, so I, I developed that product and and launched it about a year ago uh but during that time is we were a couple of buddies and i were fly fishing on the the saint joe river over in uh in north idaho and you know i've, I've never bought one of those real expensive uh fly rod holders that goes on your vehicle you know they're pretty big and pretty bulky and and i thought you know what i need to develop create and design a small compact convenient uh fly rod holder and so yeah i i actually went to the lumber store and and bought some wood and got out all of my uh my tools my chop saw and and started trying to come up with an idea for it and ended up designing what now is um on the fly fly rod holder that i'll be launching a kickstarter with uh, here on September 22nd. So, and there's, it's pretty cool because it's, it's multifunctional also. Uh, you rotate the, the tip end of it, the tip holder, and it's, it becomes vertical. So then you can just slide your fly rod into it. You know, when you get to your first fishing hole and you're running line through the eyelets or tying a fly on, or when you come back to break for lunch or something, and uh, and so you just you know you just push your fly rod into this vertical piece of foam and it just it holds it there for you instead of you know laying on the ground or or uh, you know against your side mirror or something like that and they always seem to be falling over so yeah yeah, yeah. so that 
uh, that's that's my latest product, Mark. Well, you know what's cool about this is I see a lot of uses for this that maybe uh, I'm sure you see them too. But okay, so every time I get to a lake and I'm like, I got my fly rod in my hand, I'm getting either my boat set up or my pontoon boat or whatever I'm doing, I, I need to put the rod somewhere. And, and ultimately, I usually end up leaning it against a truck. And I've seen probably six fly rods break over the course of my life, just based, basically you put them in a stupid place, whether it's on a bush and somebody yeah. walks into it. And the, the cool thing about the on-the-fly rod holder is it'll go anywhere on your truck, on your car. It's got these very strong magnets, and you're good enough to send one to me. And I got to tell you, you're the first person. Uh, normally, I'm just like, no, I'm happy to talk about your product. I don't need to see it. But when you sent it to me, and it really struck home, and I'll tell you where I used it, is I put it on my boat. Because when I'm in my aluminum oh. boat, I need to put my rods out of the way, and it worked perfectly. And I know it. I know oh my it's. Gosh. I know it's designed for vehicles, and it's great for that. But yeah. I'm telling you, if you've got an aluminum boat, which most people in my area do, you need somewhere to put your mm -hmm. rods. And this thing just sticks onto the side of the boat, and uh, it ain't going anywhere. And it's it's protected and. Uh, I think I think you got a pretty cool product. It's very simple, and I, there's something for yeah. me uh, when I see a simple product that's effective. Um, I sky's the limit. So, yeah. tell us about the on on the fly rod holder. So, basically, it's it, I don't know the material it's made out of. It's very durable. It's like um, I got it in my hand right now. Actually, I'm looking at it. Um, what is that material? It's like a a plastic resin or a what yeah, it? it's a it's an it's called ABS. Oh, it's ABS. And okay. right now I can't tell you exactly, but it's it's yeah. ABS. It's a yeah. extremely durable, uh, like polyethylene type of a product, and then and then it's actually coated with a with a light texturing, so it's not you know smooth or slippery. It 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 gives you a little grip, but you know it's it's a small little cube it's it's like a rubik's cube it's about two inches by two inches and i designed it so that there's a tip holder and then there's the uh fly rod and reel holder and they nest together to make a cube and they've got two shock cords and these specially designed uh you know beads or balls or uh, ferrules that uh, that go around and they lock into what I call eye sockets and uh, and it holds the two pieces together and you can just throw it in your glove box and you know a couple of them and it, you know when you get to your fly fishing hole you you take them out you you separate them and each one of them has four really ultra strong magnets you know, on the bottom side of each one, they're rubber coated mm -hmm. so that they don't, you know, scratch your vehicle up and you just, you place them on the side of your vehicle, you know, six feet apart or something like that. And you just leave them there all day long. And, you know, when you, when you first start you, the tip holder, like I said earlier, you turn it vertical so that you can use it to place your, you know, your, your rod in to hold it there for you. Uh, and then you go fishing when you come back, you, you turn it vertical and you place the rod and, and reel into the rod and reel holder. And then you just press the tip into the tip holder 
and you're ready to go and you really can you can you know you can't put it on your hood because most hoods are plastic now but anything that's anywhere that's metal or anywhere that's really safe or you feel safe uh to place and travel with a fly rod on the side of your vehicle you know whether it's off the side of your hood or directly on the side of your vehicle if it's a truck on the side of your bed uh, it can be up on the top, up on the roof, anywhere, and mm. you know you can you can place several of them on each side. However many people are fishing with you, so it's it's compact, uh, convenient, multifunctional. It's it's weatherproof, UV proof. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm pretty excited about it. I, I think it's going to be a pretty neat product. Yeah, hundred percent. So, what does that retail for? So, somebody is, uh, you know they're heading to their favorite river system or still water. And once you get there, you know, the, the rod, like for me, it's, it, it's critical that I can put that rod somewhere when I'm, I'm setting up. What does it retail for, uh, in U S dollars? Yeah. The whole fly rod holder is going to retail for, uh, 1995. Hmm. That sounds, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, most fly rod holders out there are, you know, really, I mean, and they're, like you said, they're pretty big and pretty expensive, but, you know, most of them, I think, start at around $100. You know, they'll hold four fly rods, but uh, but they're pretty big and bulky, and and they're not multifunctional. They'll just go on your hood. But, yeah, this is going to retail for $19.95. It's, I wasn't kidding, though, Gerald, when I said I put it on my boat because I, I've always had these rod holders on my boat and I've always struggled with it. But the second I put this on it, mm-hmm. I can move it. I can. It's not fixed, right? That, that magnet is super strong. It doesn't scratch. I, I put it on my mm-hmm. truck. It works great on my uh, Tacoma also. But when I put it on my, uh, I had a 14 and a half foot uh, Polarcraft uh, aluminum and we use it on bigger, nice. bigger waters. But it, it's... Um, Man, it's sweet. You can move it around. You can put it wherever you want. So I, I think I I really think you're on to a pretty cool product here. And I get oh, the, thank you. I get the feeling with all your products with Selkirk Design that that's simplicity is kind of key. You think about it, you're basically throwing a, a a bag of rocks around a tree to keep the food off the ground. But it, you've got it on a carabiner. It's pretty slick. And anybody that's done any camping in in the wilderness knows you got to get that food off the ground. You don't want that in your tent. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's actually a really, really, really slick system. And then, you know, when, with the, the pulley system that, again, it creates a two-to-one mechanical advantage. So if, you know, you've got 30 pounds of, of food and gear that you got to hoist up, it only takes 15 pounds of, you know, pulling force to raise it up. So it's, yeah, they are. They're, they're very simple products but uh you know i am just always looking for where there's a need for something you know whether it's fishing or or backpacking or you know for your pet or whatever and uh mm-hmm. and then i try to try to create and design something so but that that for me is the single biggest thing on any entrepreneur you find a need and then you fill that need it's pretty simple when when yeah. it come, you know it's pretty simple and, and i think the products are simple and uh, kudos to you and you you're talking like a millwright, and I'm curious about this because when I hear you say two to one mechanical advantage, I know only know a handful of people that talk that way. <laughs> Are you a millwright, or anything? They... Uh, no, no, I'm I'm not. I, I just I know a little bit of engineering, 
and uh, I under I understand, I guess you know some physics and things like that, and uh, so yeah, and I've I've messed around with a little bit of that stuff, you know, in the past. So uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so listen, we're gonna get into how everyone can find this product and and whatnot. But first, I want to I want to take it back to the water for just a little bit. I want to know. Sure. Um, Describe your perfect day on the water. So if you if you could have your day your way, whether that's in the Spokane area or maybe a body of water or a river system that you fish somewhere else, describe it. Paint it paint us a picture. What does that look like? Wow. You know, I I'd, I'd have to say that that day would be coming up here pretty soon. Uh late September you know, early October, the first couple of weeks, October, uh, you know, I guess on a, you know, a, a, a beautiful morning, clear morning, you know, a couple of my buddies and myself get up and, uh, you know, stop and grab our coffees and really head up to the St. Joe river over in Idaho. It's just so beautiful and calming and peaceful and, you know, it, it ends up being about a, a four-hour drive for us. But, you know, you get there and the water is just absolutely crystal clear. And it's it's just running at a, at a nice pace. And, you know, the fishing on the Joe is, is always just wonderful. And there's, there's so many great holes. And, you know, to, to pull up. You know, early in the morning, you know, you get there eight o'clock, nine o'clock, it's crisp out, you know, you you get out your fly gear, you're sipping on your coffee and and getting all geared up and and get your fly rod ready and put on your favorite fly and, uh, you know, just go down to the river and, you know, find a nice hole and, uh, and just relax and forget about everything and and spend the day on the river, you know, fish one hole for a little while. And, uh, and then we, we get in the truck and, uh, you know, whether we go a mile or, or we go a couple of miles up the river and there's just some, you know, beautiful rock banks, you know, with nice pools, nice running, you know, deep water, uh, and just some beautiful, beautiful cutthroat to be caught in that river. And, uh, it's just, it's it's really pretty magical. It's relaxing. It's it's meditating and and magical. So end of the day is there a little campfire? Maybe a nice meal? What are you drinking? Walk me through that. Yeah, you know what? I, I'll tell you. When we break for lunch, probably our favorite thing to do is is bring some really good smoked salmon and uh, a tub of soft cream cheese and some Ritz crackers and uh and you know crack a couple of beers and and just take a nice break and then usually at the end of the day when we're we're done pretty much the same thing we'll uh you know hopefully have a little bit of leftover and uh we'll pull out you know have have another beer or two and and uh yeah and then work our way back so yeah you just struck a full day you struck a chord with me because every fishing trip i go on it's kind of with the same group of guys and it's usually 
at some point there's some smoked salmon locks with some kind of like uh, uh, thin sliced red onion with some capers and uh, on a bagel with some cream cheese. And I'm just like, man, that takes me to the water for some reason. <laughs> you know what? And it is so, so, so good. With a nice cold beer, you can't beat it. <laughs> you make me thirsty. So yeah, <laughs> I got a weird question for you. If you... When we've all had weird things happen to us on the water, and they, I don't want to be generic, but is there any weird fish story you have for us? Is there any, uh, you know, the one that got away, or you won't believe it, but this is true kind of story that happened to you? Oh, golly. Um, I, oh, I know here, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, actually, it was about a month and a half ago, we uh, we backpacked into uh, St. Joe Lake, which is the headwater of the St. Joe River, and it's about a five and a half mile hike. And I'll tell you what, we we must have caught fifty fish, and and they were just beautiful brooks, nice big, you know, fourteen, fifteen inch brooks. It, it was just it was a wonderful couple of days. We spent two nights up there and uh, just fished like crazy, and just. Just had a blast. That sounds pretty good. Those are pretty fish, too, aren't they? Oh, just beautiful. Absolutely mm. beautiful, is this, yeah. Is this Saint, Is this fairly high alpine, Gerald? Yeah, uh-huh. Yep, exactly. Okay. So, yeah, you're up at about, I think, around 7,000 feet. So when you're in the St. Joe's River, St. Joe River, are we talking uh-huh. primarily brookies, or is there rainbows and cutties? What, what all is in there? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, mostly cutthroat, actually. Okay. A lot of cutthroat. Real mm. nice, nice fighters. Yeah, they're pretty fish, too. And there's a couple of great areas that you can drop down to. There's there's one area that you can get pretty remote. It's called Broken Leg uh, Trail, and you can hike down. It, it's pretty steep. It's a couple thousand foot elevation drop, but you get back there pretty remote, and usually not too many people, and, and it's just... It's just beautiful, peaceful, and quiet back there, and fishing's good. You don't have any alarm bells going off when you're in the middle of nowhere and you're on a trail called Broken Leg Trail? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, you you wonder why why it was named that. <laughs> I'd be bringing that dog with his inflatable little bed and throwing that rock sock around every tree I could find. And <laughs> that sounds, exactly. That sounds gnarly, for sure. This is a bit of a philosophical question for you, Gerald. So is there anything you think in the pastime of fly fishing you'd like to see us do differently or change? Or is there anything that kind of irks you with, with fly fishing in, in general? Oh, I, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't really think there is anything. Or if there is, I, I can't think of anything offhand. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm fine with with the way it is, I guess. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, so let's talk about Selkirk design. So, if somebody wants to get a hold of on the fly rod holder, um, I want you to throw all your social media handles out there, your dot com. Uh, your business in general, how, what's the best way to look you up and work like, are you in fly shops? Is it strictly an online thing? Talk to me about that. 
Yeah, no, so the product actually hasn't hit the uh, retail market yet. Um, we're going to be launching a Kickstarter here on September 22nd, and that'll run for 29 days. And hopefully we hit our goal on there. And and then once we uh, get what's called rewards, I don't know if you've ever done much on kickstarters but you go in and you you know you can you can buy things like there's an early bird special that'll be um when it launches on the 22nd the first hundred uh, will be available at 15 dollars and once those are gone then it'll go to 19 dollars but the kickstarter will run again it launches on september 22nd it'll run for 29 days and then after that if if we hit our goal of actually eight thousand dollars um, then we'll fill all of the rewards, and uh, and then shortly after that, probably around first of November, uh, first second week in November, I'll get it uh, listed on Amazon, so it'll be available on Amazon immediately. And that's actually where I sell most of my products. I I don't do too much at retail just because it's it's a little bit of a challenge. Uh, going through distributors and, and getting them to take your products on. But I've already got some fly shops that would like to carry my product. Mm-hmm. So well, I believe I that. Trying to, yeah. So I, I, you know, hopefully I will find a distributor, a couple of distributors that will be able to get the product out to fly shops, but it'll be available probably, you know, if, if, uh, if somebody didn't get one on the Kickstarter uh, probably by, I would say, first or second week of November, it'll be available on Amazon. And you can just put in Selkirk Design uh, Fly Rod Holder or On The Fly Fly Rod Holder, and you'll be able to find it. And, and uh, again, the price is going to be $19.95 on Amazon. Can I ask you something that, from a business point of view, as a business person and someone that's passionate about the outdoors when you make a product like this and let's say it goes to amazon how do you do you worry about it selling out or like what does that look like because that that that's always i think you're on to something here it's simple it's it's cost effective i think a lot of people are going to want it do you worry about running out of it yeah mark that's that's actually a huge problem i'm actually sold out on my ultralight food hanging system right now, um, sales just went crazy starting in May, June, July, and August. And, um, uh, I wasn't expecting that. So I've been out of stock on Amazon for, Oh golly, two and a half, maybe three weeks now. I, I just got another order in yesterday and shipped, shipped off 900 more to Amazon. And it'll probably take, Oh, maybe two weeks to get relisted and, and activated again. But yeah, that, that's a huge, huge concern is, uh, you know, not knowing what sales are going to be and, uh, and running out. That's because Amazon's an interesting animal because it's all driven by algorithms within Amazon. And, uh, you start building up these, these algorithms that help drive sales internally in Amazon, they start pushing your product. And then if you run out, um, basically it's like starting all over. You, all of those algorithms you lose, 
and uh, and you got to basically start all over and rebuilding them. So yeah, that that's a huge fear is is running out of inventory. So um, yeah. So I yeah, mean, so you're obviously tough. I would imagine when this launches, you're trying to make as many as you can. So that's you know not the case. But uh, I, I don't know. I just find it, I'm not a good business person. I'm going to tell you right up front. I, I'm passionate about fly fishing and I'm passionate about a lot of things. But when I see a good product, um, I, it's something that I, uh, I just I think of. I think like, okay, so now with the whole, everything's on social media. And I think with COVID and everything, people are getting out and they want to be outdoors. Mm-hmm. And so like your, your rock sock and, and even with your, uh, your mojo, the uh, inflatable mm-hmm. dog bed, like, um, how do you know how many to make? I know that's kind of a weird question, but I, I what's what would be your yeah, answer? Yeah, it's it's you know it, it's it's really tough. I mean, last summer was my first summer for um, my ultralight food hanging system, and I sold out last summer. I was out of stock for about three weeks. I'm you know out of stock again right now um the mojo bed i actually really beefed up inventory on that to come out of you know the gates with that product so i haven't had any issues there but i'm learning and and you know this is this is my third product now in two years and i've i've learned a lot of hard lessons and fast lessons and i i think i've got it figured out i I keep telling myself i'm never gonna run out again and uh so yeah yeah it's just it's trial and error and uh you know you go through some some tough times and uh you just you just got to figure it out what's the biggest takeaway for you so if you had to come down to a lesson that you've learned not from fly fishing but from your business perspective what would be a takeaway since you started selkirk design if you had to distill it down yeah, you know what? I I always said I'm doing this, you know, even when I started making the first product, the, the ultralight food hanging system, I'm just, I'm doing it for fun and I want to have fun. And it's just going to be this journey that I go on for, you know, trying to figure out, you know, material and, and all of that and just have fun with it. And if I, if I never sell any, well, so what, you know, I, I feel like I created a, a cool product and it's something I can use and I'm just going to have fun at it. And, um, you know, I, that's kind of how I feel about this product. I, I, and all of them, I, I'm just, I just having fun. Um, it's just this journey that I am on. I, you know, I've, I've created some other products, but you know, they're, they're not products that I don't think would ever sell enough. So I'd, I'd never bring them to market, but, um, I just want to have fun at it and enjoy it and, and create products, uh, that I think are needed out in the marketplace and, you know, try to make a really good product, um, that is, that is functional and sturdy and solid and good material that'll hold up. And, uh, you know, hopefully the consumer will like it. And if they don't, uh, that's all right. Um, I'm, I'm just having fun at it, Mark, and that's what I want to do, and and that's how I want to keep it. Gerald, if you were to talk to other entrepreneurs that are sitting on ideas and they're sitting at home going, "I got this idea. I want to, I want to see it through to fr- fruition." 
first off, tell us how is that journey a lot longer than you know it's one thing to come up with an idea it's another thing to see it through it's another thing to design it to have it manufactured to have it on amazon there's a big um i want to say leap of faith there from the idea to the end result and maybe if you had a word of advice for somebody that's sitting on an idea that wants to create something what, what would you tell them you know, it, it's, it's a long journey. Uh, for instance, my ultralight food hanging system, it, it took me five years to bring it to market um, because I was just, I had so many things to learn. But, you know, I believed in the product. And if you believe in the product, and, and again, if you don't get hung up on, you know, sales and making money and, and all of that, but you just, you just want to create a, a product because you either you use it for yourself or you feel that there's a need out there. Um, you know, you just have to have fun with it, but you know, you got to be steadfast and you, and you have to work at it every day and you just, you're going to run into to, to walls and uh, hurdles and all kinds of things. And you just have to look at it as this journey and this process. Um, and, and you got to make fun. You got to make it fun. Mm. You, you got to look at each one of those challenges as, uh, you know, something fun to figure out, like a little puzzle. Okay, how do I get around this? Or how do I fix this? Or, you know, how do I solve that? I mean, I remember when I was working on the on the fly rod holder in the mornings, I, I was trying to figure it out. If you notice on it, it's got what's called, I call saddles. There's a couple of them on the top of it. Yeah. And the fly rod holder is actually designed for almost every size of fly rod from the, the small narrow ones that are only an inch wide up to the ones that are, uh, what inch and a half inch and three quarters for salt water and it'll accommodate almost every single fly rod out there or reel out there. But I mean, I, I'd sit on my, my back porch uh, with a cup of coffee and I just stare at it and I try to figure out, okay, how do I accommodate all the different fly reels out there so that, you know, it won't work for just a small select uh, number of the reels out there, but it'll work for all of them. And I just sit out there and I'd stare at it and uh try to try to come up with with different ideas and you know you'll come up with an idea and it'll fail and you just you just keep working at it uh but it's got to be fun it's got to be something you love and you got to be passionate about it and uh you just you can't give up if and if you're passionate about it and you love it you won't give up uh. but it, it can be a long road it could be two years it could be five years uh, but I guess that's the part I like. That's that's really really well really well put because something you, you said a couple things there that really struck a chord with me and that was number one filling a need. So I think as any entrepreneur, mm -hmm. as anybody that's whether you're in the fly fishing industry or whatever you're trying to create, if you come up with an mm -hmm. idea, you're filling a need. That's number one. But you also have the backbone to say, okay, I've come up with these ten ideas, and you know what? Seven of them, seven of them sucked or, or not, not that they suck, but they, there was no scale and there's no, no one's going, I need that. But I think when you, when you, 
you kind of, you distill it down. You have these ideas and then all of a sudden from seven, you have three. And I think your business, Mm -hmm. I look at your, at Selkirk Design, you've got three, four products there that make sense, are simple, and I think people can use. And I think there's a lot of lessons there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. It doesn't have to be technical or anything like that. It it really can be the simplest product. And, you know, really a good example is this fly rod holder. I mean, it it really truly is simple. It's, it's, it's got a lot of uh, neat designs. I actually got three different patents on this um, just because of the way it nests together and the two different pieces and and the saddles that the reels you know set in but um but it is i mean everything is simple about it it's it's just uh you know trying to create and come up with the the right design that'll work and be really 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 functional for you know everybody i got a weird question for you because when you just said patents and when i when i hear the word patents i get a headache and I start thinking, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like you, you could have the greatest idea in the world, but to follow it through the patent system, what was that like? Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, you know, it's it wasn't bad. I, I just went through a patent um, law firm here in Spokane, and they, they pretty much did it all. And, you know, I, I didn't patent either one of the first products. Um, you can't patent a pulley system and, you know, it would have been kind of hard to even patent the rock sock, but, but for this product, it just, it seems so unique and, you know, nothing on the market like it. And I just felt that, you know, this product, I, I should probably do that to try to protect myself and, uh, and so I, I went through the process, but it was it was pretty easy. It was it was pretty painless. It just you want, cost you money. You want to hear <laughs> want to hear something funny? I was looking into um, making my own hooks. Okay, so you can go out and invest mm-hmm. a lot of money. I tie a lot of flies, so you can you can say, okay, I want to make my own hooks. This is how I want my hook to look. But it, what I didn't realize is that these hook designers have patents. So you can't make a mm. hook. You cannot just make a hook like a, say, a TMCO 200R, whatever the hook you're tying on. You can't just go and do that, not legally. Mm-hmm. You have to mm-hmm. come up with your own patent for it. So I'm just like, that gives me a headache because sometimes, I mean, hooks are expensive and they're not yeah. really that hard to make. You have to invest in the infrastructure and the, you know the equipment. But once you have it, it's like, I don't know. I, I just, I found it a little frustrating because I thought, well, this can't be that hard. Well, guess what? It is that hard. And, and these companies have been working yeah. at this for hundreds of years. And I was pretty naive to think, well, I can just go do that. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Because they, they, uh, they, they button it up every which way so that if you, uh, you know, try to do it this way, you know, you're infringing on their patent if you try to do it this way. And, mm. and so they, they cover it pretty much every angle, A to Z. Uh, and that was what was fortunate about it. This product was, there's never been a product like it that's been patented before uh, anything similar to it. And the designs yeah. that I came up were absolutely patentable. And, and, um, 
you know, I had, I had met with the patent attorneys on my, you know, food hanging system. And, you know, in the end we just decided, no, it doesn't make any sense to do it. And uh, so I went back to them again and said, Hey, I've got this other idea. And the patent attorney, him, he's, he fly fishes, but his wife loves to fly fish, and uh, he was all over it. Thought it was just the neatest thing, and and so we agreed that we should probably, you know, do some patents on this one just to just to protect it. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Well, Gerald, I love what you're up to, and you're, you're really um, you, you're coming up with some revolutionary things, some simple things, and you're seeing them through to fruition. And I, I wish you all the best of luck with your big launch on Tuesday, September 22nd, uh, with the on-the-fly rod holder, which is a uh, magnetic holder that protects your vehicle, so you can throw it on your vehicle. You're at the lake, you're at the river, uh, you can safely store your rod. I, I think it's a great idea, and I wish you luck with it, and uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast tonight. Well, thanks so much, Mark. You have a great evening. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.